0: This summer, when the sun's down, turn up the fun at Cedar Point Nights. The ultimate after-dark beach party is every night from July 29th through August 21st. Dance with throwback DJ sets, challenge your friends with beach games, or just take it easy at fire pits lining Cedar Point's legendary mile Long Beach. Then enjoy the new Lake Erie Luau, a food experience like no other. For a limited time, get park admission, luau tastings, and parking for just $69.99. Only at CedarPoint.com.
1: Hello there! Welcome to another episode of This Week in History. With me, your host Dan the Viking. Now, for those of you who are on our Facebook page, especially for the English and Australian listeners, um, I'm pretty sure you would have seen the image this week, and I'm almost a hundred percent sure you will have got this. For the American listeners, this might be something a little bit different for you, and something you don't really know a huge much, uh, excuse me, a huge amount about. Now what we will be covering this week is actually a series that is played between England and Australia which is known as the Ashes. Now for those of you who don't know what the Ashes are the Ashes is a test cricket series and cricket is the pretty much I would say one of the national sports of both countries England and Australia. Now cricket has become less popular in this country over the last sort of i would say 15 years um england had a very famous series in 2005 with the ashes where it sort of revived cricket in this country for quite a bit um and then we've had quite a dull few years of cricket um up until last year when england won the world cup now obviously this one we're not we're not going to be covering the world cup but that definitely revived english cricket um and then obviously we've hit a lockdown this year and I don't think any sports have really recovered properly from it. But the Ashes is possibly one of the oldest sporting rivalries ever. Um, I mean, even to this day, you you will always see a, a big rivalry between England and Australia when it comes to cricket. Um, and this goes back to um, 1882. So this is how long ago this, this actually goes back it's you know it's well over 100 years it's you know 140 years this rivalry has been going on and the ashes to me is a very very important part of England um, it's an important part of our history and it actually has a little bit more of a significant value to me um, coming from a family perspective I've actually played cricket um, pretty much all my life um i was actually looking i haven't played for about 5 6 years um and i'm looking to go back into it well i was looking to go back into it this year but obviously with lockdown cricket's almost been cancelled in the country this year but cricket for me has got a big a big part to play in my life i was brought up playing cricket i played for my school team i played for my local team um i played for a couple of different teams when i was younger um up until around sort of 20 21 22 that sort of age so it's uh it's a big part of me and my uncle uh, gary who sadly passed away a few years ago um he was actually one of the best cricketers i've ever seen in my life um he played for uh, a local club in london called stanmore uh, he also played for Middlesex which is a county so it would be the equivalent of um sort of like professional cricketers nowadays he was actually selected at a, a young age to go out and play in the west indies uh, against some of the you know some of the greatest players of all time alongside people like Brian Lauer and Viv Richards so for you uh, americans uh, have a google of those players uh, some of the best cricket players that have ever lived and, and my uncle was you know right up there with them um, unfortunately, he didn't pursue his career and he, he sort of ended it there. He didn't actually take it any further. He could have gone on to play for England. Um, he was that good. So, like I said, it's got a real sort of big impression on my life, and it has had since a young age. Um, for obviously the English, the Australians, and and people who do know about cricket, this next sort of five minutes will be a little bit boring, I suppose, but. For those of you who don't know about cricket, I'm going to give you an overview of the sport as a whole. Uh, Essentially, it's 11 on 11, and the object of the game is to score as many runs as possible. So, you have 11 fielders and 2 batsmen that are in at one time. And the concept of the game is the bowler will bowl the ball to the batsman, the batsman then hits the ball... And if he clears the boundary, he gets four runs. If he clears the boundary without it bouncing, he gets six runs. So six runs would be similar to a home run in baseball. Um, and obviously, they hit the ball. If if the ball goes to a fielder, they can either choose to run or not to run. That's entirely up to the batsman. So it's there is a bit of tactics to the game. And the bowlers who bowl the ball their object is obviously to get the man out now the the way they do that uh, they can either get caught so again the same as in baseball if you're caught you are out and the other way of doing it is by knocking the bales off the wicket so off the stumps there are three stumps that are behind the batsman or three sticks and on top of that are small wooden rolls called bales if the ball hits the bales or hits the stumps and the bales fall off the batsman's out it's that simple so there are different types of batsmen and there are different types of bowlers and as a i me personally i i was a an opening batsman for my team which means i was the first batsman out normally the first batsman out is one of the better batsmen on the team and they face the first bowlers of the team so the each bowler can only bowl 6 balls per over so an over is Almost like their their attempt. They get six balls, and then it's someone else's turn. That's pretty much it. And they, you know, as a batsman, my job was to play the ball as best as I can and and not get out. The longer you stay in a game, the better it is. So, for example, uh, there are different types of the game. There are sixty over, uh, sorry, twenty over games, fifty over games, and I believe they're bringing in a new thing called a hundred over games. So you, you know they are restricted overs. So you will find on a 20 over match, the batsmen need to score as many runs as they can, so they are a little bit more likely to start hitting the ball a little bit wilder, a bit harder and really try and score as many runs as quickly as possible because they haven't got that long to get the runs in. 50 overs, they've got a little bit more time, so they might play a little bit more conservatively and test match cricket is something that would probably bore most people who don't like cricket and the reason for that is it is played over 5 days and each team gets 2 attempts at batting and 2 attempts at fielding so a 5 day test match would consist of a team going into bat they will score as many runs as possible before they are either all bowled out, so every single player is out, or they decide they've got enough runs and they want to try bowling. So they can, it's called declaring, but they can almost forfeit and say, well, we scored 400 runs and we think we can get them out in less than that, so we're going to stop now and give ourselves a chance. The thing with Test Match Cricket, especially in England, is if you have rain on a day, you lose that day. So on a five-day cricket game, if England went into bat, for example, scored 300 runs on the first day... The second day was rained off. The third day, they could go back in and bat. But the chances are they probably won't. They would declare and let Australia have a bat and try and bowl them out for less than 300. And then England would then have another chance to bat after that. If, however, England got their second chance to bat and day four was rained off, for example, then there is a potential that the game would end as a draw. So there are a lot of test matches that finish as draws, which means there's no decisive winner. Not one team has gone out and played. A lot of teams do play for a draw. So there's a lot of a lot of tactics within cricket. And you tend to find that, the, especially in England, draws are a lot more common. And the reason for that is because of the weather. So in Australia... There tends to be less draws because there's less days where the the games are rained off. And in England, there is a lot more. So the Ashes, in particular, uh, actually started, like I said, in 1882. Now, it started with Australia winning a Test match at the Oval. And this was the first time that England had been beaten in England at a Test match and the sporting times which is a newspaper in this country came out with a headline english cricket has died and australia are taking home the ashes and it was almost like a metaphor at the time it wasn't a physical thing it wasn't a there was no it was just a headline and later in the year in uh, 82 83 so what happens with the ashes is australia come to england during our summer And they play over here. And then later in the year, and going into the following year, so 82-83 at this time, we go to Australia and we play in their summer. Their summer is is over our winter, which confused me the first time I understood it. But, you know, they get to have barbecues at Christmas, which is ace. Um, But, so that's... So what happened is, obviously, Australia had won uh, in England. And England had to return the favour and go over to Australia towards the end of the year, and start of 83, and play. Now, the England captain was a man named Ivo Bligh, and he came out in the papers and he said, we're going to Australia, and I'm going to return with the Ashes. So, they rolled with this metaphor, and they took it, and that's where it sort of started. Now, there was, there is obviously, you've probably seen the... The trophy that I would have put on the Facebook page you may even have seen the small urn that is used for the ashes or the ceremonial ashes at the moment and the reason that is is sort of so prominent is after England went back to Australia in 82-83 they actually won two out of the three test matches that were there so England essentially had won back the ashes although like I said at this point it was just a metaphor it wasn't a physical thing Now, a small urn was presented to Ivo Bly by a group of women in Melbourne, um, including a woman named Florence Murphy, who ended up marrying Bly uh, within a year. So she she ended up being his wife. But the contents of that small urn was the ashes of a bale. So they called it the ashes of Australian cricket. And Ivo Bly returned to England with this tiny little urn with sort of a handful of ashes in from australian cricket and this is where it sort of run from it it took from there and this urn still actually exists it remains at the mcc museum in lords lords is the well it's known as the home of english cricket it's where cricket was first played and it is the ceremonial home for england and this is where you know the trophy still exists; is actually held now. Obviously, now they play for like a glass version of it, but the sort of the historical value of the original, uh, and it still plays a part in 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 obviously in cricket. So, you know, it's uh, it's quite a, a a prominent thing in this in this country, and and I do think in Australia as well. I mean, the Aussies love coming over here and and beating the english and you know we love going over there and beating them and it, you know it's it's a it's a brilliant rivalry that, that's obviously stretched for you know nearly 140 years um the ashes series is played roughly every 2 years um give or take sometimes obviously during the war and things like that it wasn't played and you know certain things throughout history when the ashes wasn't actually contested so it's it's actually roughly pay, played every every two years. Now it's played five tests in England, like I said, in the summer of England, and five tests in the summer of Australia, and it's played mainly in in England. It's played at four, uh, sorry, five main grounds, and they are Old Trafford in Manchester, not the Old Trafford football ground. There is an Old Trafford. Uh, cricket ground, which was actually there first, by the way, um, but yeah, the Old Trafford cricket ground in Manchester, uh, the Oval in Kennington, South London, Lords in Saint John's Wood in North London, Headingley, which is in Leeds, which is not far from me, and Edgebaston in Birmingham. They are the five main grounds that the Ashes are played at. There have been. Games that are played at different grounds in the UK. So in 2009, uh, Sophia Gardens in Cardiff was used. Um, The Riverside ground in County Durham was used in 2013. And uh, Trent Bridge has been used as well. Uh, Trent Bridge is is quite a, a famous ground as well. So there have been a few cricket grounds that are used, but traditionally it's the first five. And the same goes for Australia. So when England go over to Australia there are five grounds that are traditionally used and those are the gabba in brisbane uh, the adelaide oval obviously in adelaide melbourne cricket ground sydney cricket ground and uh, the brisbane exhibition ground so that's where they're normally played and that's you know how it uh, how it works out in australia they've also had um the wacker in perth and uh, perth stadium uh, was supposed to be used uh 2122 so that's that's potentially going to be a ground used next year um but you know they've they're the grounds that are traditionally used for the ashes providing there's, there's no hiccups or like i said with this year having certain problems uh throughout the country and throughout the world uh, i'm not sure um I'm not sure whether the Ashes is even going to be played next year. The The plan is for them to play it, but you you never really know. Um, so, like I said, for those of you who love their cricket and who do enjoy this, uh, I, it's very interesting for me. Like I said, the, the history of the Ashes, I find wonderful. Uh, I mean, as it stands, Australia are actually winning. Uh, there's been six draws. 33 wins for australia and 32 wins for england so as a general you know rule the ashes is it's very very well contested you know it's it's pretty even um obviously australians won't be saying it's even they'll be saying they're winning which they are but for an englishman it's it's pretty close so um and the, you know the the fun thing is with the ashes is there's so much to to go back to um, you know the the greatest ever ashes batsman is a man named don bradman who was australian he played for 20 years he played from uh, 1928 to 1948 played in 37 matches and 63 innings so he played quite a lot and his his av- oh his runs he scored 5028 runs and that's how many runs that that one man scored for australia in the ashes series the next closest is actually an Englishman, uh, and he is nearly nearly two thousand runs away, three thousand six hundred and thirty six runs, and that's J.B. Hobbs. And this was from nineteen oh eight to nineteen thirty. So these are quite old cricketers, and you know a lot of a lot of cricket fans and a lot of um, you know people who who are interested in the sport will actually say, well, you can't necessarily use these older cricketers because back then the pitches weren't covered which means the balls didn't bowl as fast there's a different type of bowling which is known as spin bowling and this the ball didn't spin as much which means it was a lot easier to play so you know there was a lot of there is a concept between older type of cricket and newer type of cricket where they believe that if you could score 5,000 runs as a cricketer now, you would be a lot more successful than Bradman, who scored them 100 years ago, because it's a lot harder to do so. So, you know, that's one way of looking at it, but, I mean, if you look at it now, the sixth highest uh, batsman, sorry, the seventh highest batsman in cricket in the Ashes is a man named Steve Smith. Now, Steve Smith is possibly one of the most hated batsmen in England. He's Australian. um, And he scored 2,800 Ashes runs so far. And he's still playing. So, you know, and that's in a nine-year period. If he was to double that, he would actually beat Don Bradman. So, potentially, he is, uh, I would say, pound for pound, one of the best batsmen ever. And, you know, he he is. He's unbelievable. If, If you're into your cricket... And you don't know about Steve Smith, or if you are into cricket and you do know about Steve Smith, you definitely know about him, Um, and that's why he's one of the most hated because he's just so hard to get out. You know, England—they don't. No one, not just England. I don't think any test team like playing him because he's just so good, and you know it's very hard to play someone like that. And you know, he is—he is a good batsman. He was. was almost in the epicenter of a thing that happened two years ago in Australian cricket which is known as the Australian ball tampering scandal where Australian team decided it would be a good idea to take a bit of sandpaper out of their pocket and rub the side of the cricket ball. Now for those of you who don't know much about cricket that is quite a well it's, it's illegal but it's it's quite important with With a cricket ball there are two sides to a ball one side the batsmen like to keep nice and shiny and smooth so it flows through the air nice and fast and the other side they like to keep it a bit rough a bit dirty and that side it creates the wind the drag on the ball and the ball can turn a little bit more in the air and that's why they do it obviously by taking sandpaper to the rough side of the ball they're creating a lot more You know, danger to that side of the ball. So it was definitely uh, deemed quite a bad thing. And Steve Smith was actually banned for twelve months from playing international cricket. So again, when I tell you that he scored two thousand eight hundred runs, he did that with a year off cricket. Um, So you know, he he really is one of the best batsmen ever, and he he really didn't need to do that. So. You know, for me personally, I said I played as, as a batsman and I find batting lovely. It's such a fun thing to do. And like I said, we when you're there and you're you playing the shots and you're playing against people who, I mean, I go back to some of the Australian bowlers when I was younger and they, I mean, just talking some of the best bowlers in history. I always remember growing up with, you know, possibly two of the greatest Australian bowlers ever, and that is uh, Glenn McGrath and Shane Warne. Uh, Glenn McGrath was uh, a medium fast bowler, uh, some would say fast, but I, I would say he was more medium fast, um, especially seen as Australia had certain people in the team at the time uh, like Brett Lee who could bowl a lot faster than Glenn McGrath I would say he was more of a medium medium to fast paced um, and Shane Warne who was possibly one of the best bowlers that's ever lived um, and he bowled what is called leg spin so for those of you who don't know uh, a leg spinner is a ball, uh, a bowler who moves the ball to the leg so it basically you've got three stumps There's your off stump, which is to the if you're a right-handed batsman, it is the bowl. It's the one directly behind you on the right. The middle stump and then the leg stump is the one that would be where your legs are. So that's why that. And if you're left-handed, your leg stump is obviously on the other side because that's where your legs are. Um, But a leg spinner um, for Shane Warne, possibly one of the best bowlers in the world ever um, he actually took 195 Ashes wickets So, and that is the top scorer ever in history um, and again the closest to that is Glenn McGrath who's taken 157 so you know great bowlers and this is where I was brought up, I was brought up with bowlers like this and you know just some unbelievable figures throughout history I mean Possibly one of the most famous English bowlers. In fact, the highest English bowler um, in history is uh, a guy called Ian Botham. Uh, again, very, very famous. He he actually quit playing Test cricket before I was born. He he quit in uh, 1989. But everyone knows a beefy, um, and he he maxed out 128 Ashes wickets. And at the moment, the highest scoring. Cricketer who's still playing is the England player Stuart Broad, who's on 118 wickets. So, you know, really, it's it's definitely a a sport that it had a real, like I said, it had a real downside to it. But it, it's a sport that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it had, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I said so I'm I'm 30 years old, so. For those of you who do know your cricket, you a lot of people, especially in England, you go back to the 2005 Ashes. And the reason that was such a, a big thing in English cricket is England hadn't actually won the Ashes at that point for 18 years. So it, England had not won. They'd not done anything. Um, Australia had come over. They'd won 12 of their previous 16 test matches nationally you know, against other countries. They were the number one team in the world. It really didn't look like England stood a chance, and England walked away with the victory. And you know, for me personally, that's that's where my love for cricket really grew. You know, I mean, you talk about like I said with with the Australian team at the time, um, their captain was a, a man named Ricky Ponting, one of the greatest cricketers that's ever lived. Um, wicketkeeper Adam Gilchrist, one of the best best batsman wicketkeepers. Uh, Of the time, Uh, some of the the fastest bowlers, like I said, uh, Brett Lee, uh, Jason Gillespie, Glenn McGrath, Shane Warne, these were household names. You know, their opening batsman, Justin Langer, um, they had some of the best players in the world at that time. And England's team, you know, captain Michael Vaughan, vice captain uh, Andrew Flintoff or Freddie Flintoff. Very, very famous um, batsman Ian Bell, Paul Collingwood, uh, bowlers Steve Harmison, Kevin Peterson. You know some again some really, really good players. But I mean the the opening two batsmen for England, uh, Andrew Strauss and Marcus Trescothick, great batsmen, just not as good as Australia. They did you know Australian team at that time was it was surpassed by everyone you know they were the best team in the world and you know England they did everything they could to win the Ashes and to to you know to give England back that little bit of pride that they'd lost uh, you know Australia won the first test um, the second test England levelled the series they won they won it back they, it was one all and that was by the narrowest win in Ashes history England actually won by two runs Um so you know that was that was unbelievable the third test ended in a draw so it was still 2-1 the fourth test england won by 3 wickets so they you know they didn't wipe the floor with australia but they did do a lot better and it's you know it's 2-1 if australia win the fifth test because they already held the ashes they would take the ashes home so it wasn't a case of if you draw the series the team who's already got it they keep it so it was you know if if Australia had won England again would have lost the ashes so England you know they had to do something and the fifth the fifth test started on the 8th of September and it was at the Oval in London and it entered the final day with England batting in their second innings they were 40 runs ahead with nine wickets in hand and Australia like I said they just needed to win to get a two-all draw, to you know, take the Ashes home. England could draw the game because it would still mean that they were winning two-one, or they could win the game, and then they'd win. They'd have won three-one. Australia they had to win, and you know, England established a lead of three hundred and forty-one, and Australia batted, and you know, tried to to claim it back, and. They literally, I think they got on the field for one over, and the umpires, the well, for uh, Americans, the referees, no, they they are umpires, and they they called the game for bad light, and the the game ended as a draw. So it actually ended up England winning the two thousand and five Ashes. And like I say, although it was a a little bit of a, I wouldn't say it was a, a great last test. You know, Australia had a chance, and they they weren't really allowed to. To establish that chance, because especially with cricket, if the lighting is bad, the batsman can't see the ball, so they have to stop the game. It's not fair to have a ball being bowled at you somewhere between you know sixty to a hundred miles an hour, and these balls are hard. They're like baseballs. They are solid leather. They're not. They're not light. Um, you know, it's not really fair to have someone throwing a ball at you a hundred miles an hour, and you can't see it. So. They they had to pull it, and it it was a bit of a I would say, not the greatest way. I think England would have liked to have gone out by bowling Australia out, or at least seeing the game out. But I think I don't really think they cared. Like I said, after eighteen years of not winning an Ashes series, it was it was huge, and like I said, it revived English cricket. And you know, like I said, even now we we still sat on this. Uh, we we're, we're losing to Australia. We are. 33 to 32 so bring on next year and hopefully England can can claw the claw it back and and pull it pull it level again to 33 all Um, but like I said you're talking about again like we you know with, with Australian batsman Steve Smith one of the best batters in the world I'm not sure we can do much about him you know he's one of these players he just doesn't seem to go out the England struggle every country in the world struggles to get him out so it will be a good series next year and uh, hopefully England like I said England can claw it back and and pull it back to level I'm sure some of my Aussie fans will be uh, having a bit of a a slagging match over this and you know like I said I did have uh, one comment from a a guy who had a cricket in name Uh, I know he asked for a bit of Australian history so hopefully this gives you a little bit of Australian history, but uh not not necessarily uh maybe not the history you wanted, but it's definitely uh definitely a part of Australian history as much as it is is English history. Like I said, you know, cricket the national sport. Um it's a sport that we still we still love in this country and like I said, thanks to last year and England winning the World Cup, um, I think cricket will go through a revive again it does seem to do this every few years um, you know, you go back to, like I said, go back to 2005 in England, having some of the, the best characters in in cricket, you know Freddie Flintoff was famous for his test match in Australia where he went out the in the evening, got drunk and decided to try and take a pedalo and cycle a pedalo all the way back to England so, you know real characters in cricket and, and it's sort of something that that they've missed and they're now starting to get some of those characters back um, you know before that you talk about people like Glenn McGrath and Shane Warne I mean you, watching Shane Warne you know, I'd love to have had a microphone on him while he played cricket because the man was it was unbelievable to watch um, if you are interested or if you're not sure about your cricket just watch a video on Shane Warne and how he bowled and it's it's amazing. It's unbelievable. Some of the things he used to do. Um, you know, there, like I said, there are there are other bowlers out there, but for me, growing up, when I used to bowl, I used to bowl leg spin as well. So Shane Warne was like an idol for me. Um, you know, I'll I'll never forget once uh, playing a game for my club. I played for a, a team called Bushy, um, and I actually managed to spin the ball maybe somewhere between a foot and two foot. So the ball hit the ground outside of leg stump and it came right back across and it looked like it was going wide. So a wide is almost like a no ball in, in um, baseball where the the, bowler, the batsman can't hit it and you know they, they give a run to him. Uh, it looked like that. It was going miles down leg stump, miles wide and it spanned right back in and it took the offside stump. So like I said, it must have spun about maybe somewhere between a foot to two foot and uh you know never celebrated like anything in my life and as I run down the wicket to celebrate I noticed there was a massive hole in the ground where the ball had clearly hit the hole so it actually wasn't a great ball it just hit a hole and it divoted straight across but no one in the team saw that I quickly covered that up with my foot stamped that into the ground and played on that for years that I was you know this amazing bowler but I really wasn't um but you know we there are things like that in cricket that you just you'll always remember um, you know I've played played at some amazing grounds for me personally um, I played at a place called Thorsby Hall in uh, Norfolk absolutely beautiful ground there's deer running around in the backs in the in the, the grounds behind um, beautiful place to play so you know some of some of the places where you do get to travel and, and play. Is, is wonderful i mean i was never never one of the players that could go out there and play for a county or go and play for England or anything like that I'm certainly not fit enough for anything like that but um you know it's a big part of my my life and it's something uh, you know hopefully i've I've portrayed a little bit of passion into this and for those of you who who are into your cricket hopefully you've enjoyed this for those of you who aren't into your cricket. Hopefully, you'll go and give it a, a little bit of a watch, and maybe, maybe we can bring a new sport to America. Um, you know, that you, you guys can try. I mean, it's it's just a wonderful, wonderful sport. It's, it's the gentleman's game. Um, there are definitely uh, certain rude things that go on. There, you, you can't imagine cricket without what is known as sledging, which is you know. Having a little bit of a, a dig at, at your batsmen and your bowlers and giving them a bit of shit, so that's that definitely happens. I suppose if you miked up some of the players, it's probably not so much of a gentleman's game as you may think. Um, but you know, throughout the years, cricket has been a huge thing in this country, and it's been a massive part of our history. And for a, for a game that's you know been around for hundreds of years, and you know played nationwide you know it's a worldwide sport you you know teams like um, pakistan bangladesh india sri lanka uh, south africa um, the west indies australia new zealand england ireland you know it's played all over the world even holland have got a team so it's a it's definitely a, a wonderful sport that is you know it's just something people people enjoy in this country and like I said for me the ashes those 2005 ashes I mean I was 14 years old watching that and you know I played for my school team and watching players like um, you know Glenn McGrath, Shane Warne um, you know these bowlers, Freddie Flintoff, Justin Langer um, just I mean to be honest if I wasn't English I would have wanted Australia to win because they had such a good team but you know, it just it really revived a sport that was you know hadn't really had any success in this country since Ian Botham back in you know the the eighties and a period we get back in and and like I said, with last year it was a very very similar situation with the cricket. You know, we haven't really, as far as I'm concerned, haven't really had a great cricket history since 2005, and then last year. We went and won won the, the World Cup. And for those of you who are interested, and you, you know, what I love about certain types of sport is the drama. The drama that you get in sport that you can't get in anything else. And for those of you who are interested or do like a bit of drama and haven't seen it, go and watch the 2019 Cricket World Cup Final and the last sort of maybe five overs and what was known as the super over at the end. Watch that and then tell me cricket isn't a great sport because I tell you what, I don't know anybody who can watch that and tell me that cricket isn't fun. And you know, and believe me, even my wife sat there watching cricket because it was it was it just grasped you. The grasped the whole nation, uh it you know England didn't deserve to win that they weren't the better team on the day but that drama was just it was unbelievable and you know for those of you who who do want to go and have a look go and have a look it is fantastic so there we go just a little bit of history on a sport that most of you probably don't know a huge amount about so hopefully you enjoyed that episode um like i said i really really enjoyed this uh, i enjoy talking about things that you know i always have a passion in history um but something like this is is wonderful for me and you know i do hope that you know especially my uncle up there listening um and you know like i said it's it's really heartfelt for me because i wouldn't have been into cricket if it wasn't for him um and you know yeah it just means a lot to me and you know for those of you who didn't particularly like this episode, or you know, would like to know about different sports? Then you know, drop me a message, let me know, because um, I'm sure we can cover other rivalries. I'm sure a sporting rivalry episode would be a great thing to do. Um, there's definitely some massive ones across the globe, so uh, especially you know, especially with football or as Americans call it, soccer. Um, yeah, there's uh, some massive rivalries there, so it might be worth. Doing a a rivalry episode, I think that would be quite fun. Uh, But let me know what you thought. You know, get yourselves on Facebook. uh, This week in history, Uh, you'll find us very, very easy to find. Uh, Just join the group. I'll accept you. And you know, have a look, play the game. Let us uh, let us know what you thought about this episode. And play the game for next week. See see if you can guess next week's episode. Um for those of you that are on Patreon you'll probably see an upload over the next few days for parts 3 and 4 of The War of the Roses, so if you have listened to those two episodes uh, parts 3 and 4 will be going on to Patreon later this week um, and they will be available if you do want to listen to those uh, get yourselves onto Patreon.com type in This Week in History and join us there, Um, you you can pledge anything from I think it's two dollars a month, anything to whatever you feel you want to pledge, um, and we, you know, we appreciate that. All the money goes towards you know getting new equipment and things like that for us to progress and hopefully do a a little bit of a, a better show. Maybe spend a bit more time doing some research and things like that. So, um, you know, anything that you want to to let us know by all means drop us a message uh, like i said we are on uh, on facebook and if you're not on facebook you can always email me it's twihpod at gmail.com and we'll get back to you so thanks for listening guys just remember we all have history so make yours great bye-bye
0: when you love riding a motorcycle you want to ride it everywhere even getting a dental checkup mr carter wouldn't you prefer the chair i'm fine on my bike doc well let me know if you feel any discomfort And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished the new sunroom, Missus C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows. So you can do this and this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Geico presents daily affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the
1: ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalized attention from an assigned team.
0: Geico offers claim service? Um, I I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs. <laughs> yep, keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com.